This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're getting back in the labor game in episode number 169. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi. This is Kristen Burgess from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and this week we're shifting a little bit away from where we've gone the last few episodes, which have tended to be maybe a little bit more idealistic. I know I really got on a soapbox on last week's episode and even the one the week before. This week we're going to be more practical in what we talk about because I've talked about a whole lot of idealistic stuff, and you might think, oh, that really sounds good, Kristen, but you know... What if something happens? And that's a question that every woman wrestles with, every family wrestles with. It's one of the reasons why when we think about daddies, they're like, "Uh, you need to be at the hospital because what if something happens to you or the baby? So what I want to talk about, and this is a question that I've gotten from a lot of women, especially as I've been working with a lot of women who are processing a prior birth experience where things didn't go the way that they liked. And they're asking, what do you do when labor throws something unexpected? So I prepared for this wonderful, beautiful labor and this wonderful, beautiful birth and this wonderful, beautiful postpartum. And then something came up that I was not expecting. What do you do in that situation? I believe that the most important first step is to be informed. And one of the one of the difficulties today, I'm trying to think of the right word. Catch 22s, I guess that we have today is that we live in a world where we are literally saturated with information. So there's information everywhere. But the problem is especially when it comes to pregnancy and birth is that much of it is either misinformation or it's it's misleading information. It's almost like a red herring. It's something that really, it's pertinent on some level, but it may not be what you necessarily need. One of the criticisms of a lot of mainstream pregnancy and birth information is it has a strong focus on complications and interventions as if they're inevitable. It's like, okay, what can go wrong? And we're going to list all this out. And I don't know that that's actually the problem. As you're going to hear me talk about, being informed is important. Understanding different things that can happen is important. The problem is, is that information is given and it's given as a, oh my gosh, look at everything that can go wrong. Or it's given as, oh my gosh, look at everything that can go wrong. And here is how your saviors are going to ride in and save the situation. And there we go. And the saviors are, are, of course, the medical obstetric childbirth machine, right? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. As I acknowledged last week, and I'm sure the week before and the week before and the week before, sometimes moms and babies need help during birth. And some of these interventions are life-saving 
Sometimes we need these things. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes the complications are iatrogenic, which you've probably heard me say before that that means literally doctor caused. Um, Michelle Odant, who is a French obstetrician, did an article recently that was really good talking about how much uh, postpartum bleeding, which is one of the things that women today really do worry about a lot, it a lot of it is doctor caused, if not the majority of it, iatrogenic. So, you know, but I'm not saying that I'm not saying that those interventions aren't life-saving at times or even necessary. They are necessary because they are life-saving at times. And procedures and policies and all those things, they they have good sizes. I talked about I think that was the week before last. But when the information is given in just this either you know this just long overwhelming list of everything that could possibly happen or it's given in this doom and gloom scenario of, oh my goodness, here's why you want to be where, you know, you can be whisked away to surgery in 0.1 second because, oh my gosh, things are just so difficult. And what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? You know, that's that's marinating in fear. It's marinating in overwhelm. And it's maybe on the surface it's meant to inform, but I think underneath it's really meant to... Uh, coerce compliance, if I can say that. And maybe people don't even realize it. I I have a hard time at this point believing that people are truly blind. But I do believe that some care providers are truly blind to the system. They truly don't see that when you present information in this way, and when you run your practice this way, and when you run your hospital this way, what you're doing is creating a situation of coercion and a culture of fear. Some may not see that, um, but I, th- I mean, and some may, and some may feel powerless to stop it because, as I talked about several weeks ago, that I mean, the real power behind birth is, is in many ways these uh, insurance companies and that sort of thing. It's not you. <laughs> it's statistics and maintaining statistics. So they may feel powerless, as powerless against that as we do. So the information, and that's what I, what got me off on this tangent, the information is important, but the way that it's presented and shared is in a disempowering way. It's in a way that isn't helpful or even healthy in many ways. So I do actually recommend that you be really well informed. Childbirth classes are really helpful, and I... You're probably sitting here thinking, well, Kristen, you have a childbirth class, so of course you're going to say that other childbirth classes aren't good enough. But the truth is, is I'm sure that there are other natural childbirth classes or other holistic-minded classes that are good. You know, none of them are going to be mama-baby birthing, which I've poured my heart and soul into, but there's probably somebody else who's poured her heart and soul into her classes too. And if you resonate with her, take her class. But I do feel pretty qualified to say that hospital classes or classes given out for free on apps from unnamed large corporate baby websites just don't have what you need. They're more of that drinking from a fire hose, give you information so that they can say you're informed, but what they've really done is given you a whole bunch of information, done a bit of fear-mongering, and helped encourage you to be a good patient. They, they, they present 
possibilities and choices, but it's not done in a way that is really ever meant to actually empower you to make choices. It's done in a way to check the box. Okay, you know, we gave this, we gave her this information, we gave her that information, we gave her that information, and now she's going to go right onto that, you know, she's going to go right onto that conveyor belt and be a good little patient. And I, uh, that's the truth, ladies. I can't lie to you. Okay, so again, if there's a good high quality birthing class out there and you resonate with the woman who has done that class, go take her class. If you resonate with me, if you want my support, then take my class. You can go find it at mamababybirthing.com, M-A-M-A babybirthing.com. I would love to see you on our group call next week. And if you want personal support from me, there's information about that as well. But I encourage you to take a good class. Mine, another one from a woman who's really passionate and really well-informed. It covers everything. It covers these interventions. It covers complications. It covers birthing skills. It covers how hormones impact labor. It covers helping your partner. It covers the emotional, spiritual aspects of birthing. Look for a good class. Okay? And the reason why I believe a class is so important in this information age where there's so much is because there's structure and uh, and comprehensiveness to it. So when I was pregnant with Cassidy, you know, there was, that was a lot of years ago, and there were books here and there. And then I did, my midwife did a class for me. And I'm really grateful for that. And then when I was pregnant with Brennan, actually, my third, I took Bradley classes. I love, I would, I would recommend Bradley classes if you want to take an in-person class. Um, you know, and it was, it was really nice to have that information that my midwife went through with me with my first. And we actually had a textbook that I can't remember the name of right now, but it's old. Um, and, and then that Bradley class, you know, those were good. They didn't completely fill everything, which is why I created my own classes, but but they were far superior to the here and there kind of looking and taking and gathering that I had done on my own because it was presented in an organized way and in a way where I could ask somebody questions. It's one of the reasons why Mama Baby Birthing includes an interactive component. You know, I could ask questions, but but the information was organized and comprehensive. And I know I used those words a few times in like the last minute. Whereas when you're on the internet and you're just bopping around from article to article, you get a good overview of different things, but is anything really comprehensive? And do you feel like you've really gone through things in an organized fashion? And when you're preparing for birth, which is unexpected, there's always unexpected aspects to birthing. Each of my labors has brought its own little nuances and interesting things and twists and turns and plot twist. So... When you go through something comprehensive, you know that you are learning and you've got that foundation. You can't know everything, right? Midwives who have attended a thousand births will still see something they haven't seen at a birth. And you don't have to have a massive level of pregnancy and birthing knowledge. I'm a birth junkie. Like, I eat, sleep, and dream this stuff. You don't have to have that level of knowledge, but understanding the basic variations of normal are really good to consider. And I say variations of normal because I actually believe that that is one of the first things that trips women up. Is you decide, or not you decide, but you just assume that your labor and birth are going to begin in a certain way. And that they're going to progress in a certain way. And th- things are going to happen in a certain way. 
And then something is different. There are variations of normal. Like uh, a lot of the women that I talk to, oh my gosh, Kristen, my, my water's opened. You know, my water's broke before labor began. I totally wasn't expecting that. That's a variation of normal. It happens in like 10%-ish of births. And then for others, you know, it doesn't happen until right before the baby's born. That's actually what we usually see um, when, I, when I've assisted at births. That's the most common thing to see is I, I can't recall at any of the births that I've ever assisted at that the waters were broken. But that's pretty standard hospital procedure is to have the waters broken. Um, can't recall us ever doing that even once. And so usually they break just, you know, during transition or as the mom's beginning to push, that's when it happens. But for some, it has happened, you know, the waters have opened beforehand. The My favorite birth out of all of the births that I've attended, just because that mother was so beautiful. I, I mean, heaven must have been opened over that woman while she was birthing that baby. It was just beautiful awe inspiring time to be alive and on the earth and the just beautiful clearly beautiful um you know her waters had opened at to begin with to begin labor and so that's a variation of normal that we see but a lot of women are taken off guard by it because of clocks starting and procedures and things monitoring that's different than if the waters aren't open. So if you understand that that's a variation of normal and understand the interventions or the offers of intervention that might come with that, then you feel more ready to handle it if that is the path that your birthing time takes. So that's just one example. Another is, oh my goodness, I'm my due date was 10 days ago. What do I do, Kristen? So these are variations that come and there are times that you really I had a mom that uh, oh my goodness another beautiful one that this was a mom that I was um, offering some support to uh, virtually and her baby just was not coming and was not coming and was not coming and was not coming and her midwife got to the point where you know she was um, saying okay we need to induce at the hospital and I'm not telling you that you need to do this ladies because I know that some women really do strongly feel that, okay, the baby is not coming. I want to go to the hospital and induce now because there are risks with staying pregnant, staying pregnant, staying pregnant. But that was not how this mom felt. This mom felt like the baby was vigorous and healthy and she wanted to wait. And so she did wait. She made that choice for herself. And labor did begin. I think she was like 42 weeks pregnant. But labor did begin and she had a very quick labor and a beautiful, vigorous, healthy baby. Um, and so part of this too is also, you know, you just heard me say, this is a variation of normal. This mom was comfortable, but other moms don't feel comfortable. And that's, that's another reason to look at variations and to think them through. When you're not in the moment, you can sit down and say, when I think about this, when I look at possibilities that go with this, like the statistics that go along with this and that sort of thing, how do I feel about it now? And that gives you information that you can hold if this situation occurs for you. When it, one of the things that comes with mama baby birthing is my Fearless Birth Workbook, which is actually a resource that I created for myself and I have used in many of my pregnancies. And it helps you look at fears. And sometimes these variations of normal are fears. So it's not just that I'm examining a variation. I am in a 
I am examining a fear that goes with it. What if my water breaks and labor doesn't start? What if there's prolonged labor? What if labor doesn't start? Period. What I was just talking about. Oh my gosh, I'm 42 weeks pregnant and and I feel nothing. Kristen, I'm going to be pregnant forever. What if that happens? There are fears to be grappled with. And I believe that an important part of that is understanding on an intellectual level. And this is the difference between what I'm talking about and what might happen if you read a mainstream pregnancy book or if you take a mainstream uh, childbirth class. Is they're going to give you this list of things, complications or whatever. But they're not going to talk about doing this looking into it. So understand common complications, common interventions. Understand what happens, excuse me, what could be the possible outcome of this? What happens if we accept an intervention? What happens if we wait? That's something that is not often brought up. Maybe it's because as a society, I said on the last podcast episode, I was talking a bit about feminine and masculine energy, and we all have both of those inside of us. I would say as a society, we kind of, we swing towards the masculine for sure. We're a society of doing. We're a society of do, 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 do. We can't just sit. We can't just wait. We can't be that midwife in the corner who's knitting or an, this is an, an OB. We can't be that obstetrician who sits in the corner and sketches. You know, and then he gives the sketch to the family after. Uh, but that's really hard. Sometimes, it, I mean, in, in midwife, midwifery training, we talk about this, being able to sit on your hands. Because it's very hard. You want to be doing. You want to be doing. And so wait is very hard, especially if there's this variation. Wait can be hard. So we don't talk about weight. Weight isn't an alternative, but weight really and truly is an alternative. So that's something to understand intellectually right now. My waters have opened. Labor hasn't started. What happens if I wait? If I want to wait, what can I do? And we're not talking about a particular thing here, so I'm not going to go into that. In particular, I do have an article on naturalbirthandbabycare.com, which I can put uh, in these show notes about water's breaking, building a strong bag of waters and what to do. I'm just going to make a note for myself. Um, and I can talk about it on a, on a future podcast episode if y'all would like. But I'm not going to go into it right now. I'm just going to say understanding what happens, understanding the different options, and including the option of weight because it's the one that's usually forgotten, can really be helpful to you as you make decisions, as you go forward, as you walk forward. So understanding these variations, understanding complications, understanding what happens if we wait. And you're not going to know every single one because there are some that happen so infrequently that it's hard. How do we, you know, how are we prepared for that? Okay, how are we prepared for that? So my, one of my kids um, just a few weeks ago ended up needing a medical procedure at the hospital for a literally seriously fluke thing like I never even heard of it before. He's fine, doing great. But my mind still reels from, gosh, I didn't even know that was a thing. A totally fluke thing. Totally fluke things do happen. So you can't be prepared for one, 100% prepared for everything. But you can be prepared for the common things. And you can also understand interventions. They are really, really, really routine. You know, we're talking about um, induction, 
labor augmentation, C-section, forceps, vacuum extraction, other things, uh, IVs, all those things that they might do. And why did they? Why do they do them? What happens if we wait? Breaking the bag of waters would be another one. So all of these things, when you understand these things and why they are offered, then you go into labor more prepared. And this, again, is this, you know, it's this intellectual exercise, right? And another thing is it, it helps you prepare to be flexible. And that being flexible may look completely natural. It may mean getting up and walking because things don't seem to be happening or changing positions or using a rebozo or um, using birth skills that you've learned to help create more room in the pelvis or finding a way to rest when you're tired. Maybe you're feeling really pushy and things aren't happening and so you lay on your left side to help bring baby off the cervix a little bit and see if that eases that sensation. And then you feel more in control and calmer. You're able to rest some let your body finish opening. You know, again, these are all particulars and I could go into a lot of particulars, but I want you to see that there are almost always options. And when you understand these things, then you're able to learn more. And I do believe that a birthing class gives you a good structured way to start learning them. But there might also be things that you worry about. As I've said, I've talked to a lot of moms on the phone across the course of the last few months. And as I'm especially talking to women who have had an issue in a previous birth and they're preparing for a new baby, they want to know. They want to dig into that particular issue. And so if there's something that's coming to your mind, definitely dig into that particular issue. But take a look at it on that intellectual level. And just be ready. Uh, have those options filed away. And then when they're presented to you, you're coming from a place of strength and a place of having information. The other aspect of what to do when labor throws the unexpected is to be in tune with yourself. And, and that, that encompasses some of what I talked about in the last couple of podcast episodes. It's, it's realizing your power and your sovereignty in birth, your power and your abundance as a birthing woman, and your right to take ownership of this experience. That fundamental core belief is, um, is what's going to give you your voice. And that's really important in this experience. And part of it is, is doing that emotional work, what I talked about with fearless birth. Uh, it, it starts with a practical, real practical, let's look at this. But then there's also part of it that acknowledges that some of this is, is emotions. There's fear and emotion. And so we get to the place where we're able to let go of that to an extent. You can't always let go of it. But so it's doing this work to feel confident in yourself and in your voice. And part of that is practical too. I believe that the most important way that you grow your voice aside from contemplating what I talked about in the last couple podcast episodes and I... I hope that you're blessed with the ability to internalize that. But also use your voice throughout pregnancy. Start early and often is what I've been telling women lately. Start early and often. Ask questions at your prenatal appointments. Even if you think you understand the baseline for a test, even if you're like, yeah, I'm definitely going to have that done. Ask why. Ask what information it gives you. 
cultivate that attitude of curiosity, that learner's mind, that beginner's mind. Don't, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about you have to be simplistic or childish about it, but be earnest, interested, ask about it because that strengthens your confidence in asking questions. And it also strengthens your conviction that you have the right to know the answer. And it cultivates with your care provider that this is somebody who's really engaged. She's interested, not hostile, but earnestly interested, curious about it. And they will respect you for that. And that helps when you need to dialogue during labor, if something comes up, because you've built that habit, you've cultivated that habit. Another early and often is listen to your body. You've heard me say this a number of times. I've said this in a bunch of emails lately too. So if you're on the mailing list, if you're not, go to trustbirth101.com, trustbirth101.com and get on the mailing list so that you get these emails. But I've talked about it quite a bit on the mailing list lately as well, is start noticing. Am I thirsty? Am I sleepy? I'm sleepy right now, ladies. I'm sleepy. Do I need to lay down and close my eyes? Do I need to get a drink of water? Do I need to pee for the 7,000th time today? Am I overwhelmed by my children? Do I need a moment? Do I feel like my children need me? That's something I, I had to pause the recording a few minutes ago and tell Phoenix to go play because he's hovering right by the door and like my mommy senses are like, he needs me. So as soon as I'm done with this episode, I'm going to go out front and just be there because he needs my presence for some reason. You know, he's, there's some, you know, he's not upset, but he's got this mommy need, like, so I'm going to go out there and meet that need. So listen to those things, right? About yourself, about your kids, about others. Uh, start listening to those little things and that, that intuition will grow because you're honoring it and you're listening to it. And you're honoring your ability to ask for information and your right to be given that information about your own care, about your own life, about your own journey. And those things will really help you as you step into the unknown that is your birthing time. Because those will be skills and strengths and beliefs and convictions that you've cultivated. Relationships and expectations that you've cultivated that will go in and they will strengthen your voice and they will help you step into your power. And they will help you advocate for yourself and they will help you listen to yourself as different options are being presented to you and you make decisions as to when I'm going to say yes, when I'm going to say no, when I'm going to say what's wait. These things will really help you. And and so it's cultivated. It's, I often say we get nine months for a reason. All of this is cultivated across pregnancy and all of these are going back to last week. All of this is personal growth stuff for lack of a a more eloquent term, stuff that will serve you for the rest of your life. And it will certainly serve you as you're mothering your children and as you're advocating for them and your family in various situations uh, in your career as a parent. So again, it's practical preparation. I am really a strong proponent of that organized birthing class, a a natural-minded, holistic-minded birthing class that's going to present all of the options and all of the sides, like all of the beautiful angles of this prism that is pregnancy and birth and possibilities in pregnancy and birth. And then also doing the uh, emotional 
spiritual work and doing the work that grows your voice, that grows your intuition, that grows your advocacy. And then of course there's the practical stuff like the birthing skills so that you know, oh, you know, things seem slow. Let's make more room for the baby. I mentioned that a few minutes ago. So those are all practical skills. These are all things that you can cultivate across the course of your pregnancy. And they are things that will serve you. So it may feel overwhelming right now. Oh my gosh, how can I prepare for the unexpected? And the truth is, is you can't. There's no way to prepare for everything that could possibly come under the sun. Because pregnancy and birth are an incredible adventure. But you can be knowledgeable and informed. You can be more confident. You can grow your confidence. You can grow your intuition. You can grow your strength. You can grow your voice. You are a smart, capable, intelligent, beautiful woman. You can do that intellectual preparation. You can really work on this across your pregnancy. And so when you go into your birthing time, you feel much more confident. You feel like you've got a toolbox. You feel like you've got options. You feel like you've got a voice. And you stand firm that this experience matters, that you're sovereign in it, that you're listening to your consultants, that you're taking their thoughts into consideration and you're choosing what you feel in the moment is right for you and your baby, for your health and for your safety. And yes, for the experience that both of you guys are going to have. And it's a big thing. But if you've prepared for it, you step into it much more gracefully. And sometimes when those unexpected things happen... They bring a lot to teach us. Even if things work out super smoothly at the end, they can be teachers. And even if it's difficult, there can be teaching. And really and truly, I believe this to the core of my being, when you step through even challenging situations and know that you've honored yourself, you've listened to your voice, and others have listened to your voice, and you've made a decision while standing confident in your power, even if it wouldn't have been your first choice, You will come through and you will feel stronger at the end. You will develop resilience. There may be sadness. There may be processing to do. But it will feel a lot better to you. You will feel much more powerful. And do, if you do have a tough birth experience, give yourself the space. Remember, as I talked about on previous episodes, you have the right to process that, to honor that, even to grieve. So give yourself that space when it feels right for you. But I do also believe that you will feel that there is a level of power and there is a level of strength that may not have been there if you hadn't done the intentional preparation and if you hadn't cultivated that belief in yourself and that you really have this right to be heard and to be honored and to be the one calling the shots, even if it is to say, you know what, you're right, we need this help. So just step into that. Step into that really practical preparation and also step into that preparation that's on another level. That preparation that involves honoring yourself, listening to your intuition in your body in little ways, that involves growing your voice, that involves asking questions, being curious, and standing firm in the conviction that you have the right to know the answers. Because those things will all serve you so much as you move forward into your baby's beautiful birth experience, and it is what will help create an experience that is sacred and special for both of you. 
With that, I will finish up this episode. I do invite you to check out Mama Baby Birthing. Again, it's mamababybirthing.com. I would love to support you. If you want one-on-one support, there's information about Mama Baby Rising on that page where you can get one-on-one support. But I would just love to have you there. I would love to talk to you. We have group calls every couple weeks so that you can get questions answered so that we can just talk and chat about what's going on in your life because you deserve to have answers to your questions. And there are things that are coming up in every pregnancy and birth that are really personal and unique to you. And I want to support you through that. So I am here for you. I would love to touch base with you. Shoot me an email if you need to, Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, at naturalbirthandbabycare.com. Maybe we can set up a time to talk. I would love to do that, hear about your situation and what kind of support you need. Otherwise, I pray that you have a blessed week this week, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com visit www.birthbabylife.com